Welcome back to the Andrew Curtis Show, and I have a treat for you today. Yeah, every now and then in my travels, I, I meet people who are so aligned with the things that, that motivate and excite me. Um, and if you listen for a while, you'll know that I'm particularly fascinated by the things that affect our mindset, our thinking, and our experience of life. And so very recently, I had the privilege of meeting Linda Guari. And she is a, a trainer, a speaker, a coach, um, but particularly on this area of, of mindset and how it affects our, our experience of life. And I could keep talking, but I think she speaks better to it than I do. So welcome to the show, Linda Guiri. Thank you very much, Andrew. It's a pleasure to be here. <laughs> Um, where should we begin? We, uh, we almost got a bit carried away when we were just getting our coffee before and talking about the way that our, our thinking can affect our, our life and, and those sorts of things. But you mentioned your role as a, as a coach and a trainer around this idea of mindset. So I guess why don't we start with that and we'll see where we end up. Well, I think where, where I am now has come as, as part of a journey. Uh, I worked in management for a long time and I saw how disengaged employees can be, how, uh, how much conflict there is. Uh, then I became training manager for a large domestic violence agency and, and I got uh, really interested in the whole power and control dynamic. And then I started to see how that plays out in the workplace mm. and how it affects people. And I wanted to do so much more, but I couldn't do it in the job that I had. It wasn't my brief. Mm. Uh, so that's where I really decided to, this is where I wanted to go down. I was fascinated with, you know, how people make assumptions about each other, how people take on other people's thoughts and processes and, and how we get so offended by what people say yeah. when we can't control it anyway. And I wanted to make a difference. I wanted to be able to share with people where I was coming from and, and hopefully get people to, and it's not just resilience, it's just, it's understanding yourself and understanding how we jump to conclusions, how we get offended, how we get angry with things that we have no control over. And it's, mm. it's, it's something that, you know, kids should learn. It's something mm. that, that high school students should, should really understand. I think it would set them up for the world of work mm. so differently and then the world in general. Um, but we don't, and I'm not quite sure why, because we, we live in this bubble of, you know, we want people to like us and we want people to accept what we say, but everybody's different, and we cannot control what people think, say, do, or believe. We can only control ourselves internally, mm. and we don't do that. No. Yeah, I mean, there's so much in that that, that I'd, <laughs> I'd love to speak on all of it. I, I, I was observing a similar kind of thing, and I've heard people talk about uh, you know, a culture of outrage that we have these days that we, we almost compete over who can get more upset over, over something. Um, but I, if I was to distill what I take from, from those last comments in particular, it's that when we look at our, our experience of life, we can either can try and control it from the outside in or from the inside out. And my experience has been that the times when I looked at where I was most frustrated or stressed out or anxious, I realized I was trying to control the outside world, what other people thought, what other people said, and, and yep. those sorts of things. And for me, the biggest change has started to happen when I went, actually, I think there's thoughts, attitudes, assumptions, as you mentioned, that I have. If I focus on those, I wonder what will happen instead. And that's been a massive turning point for me over the last few years as well. Yeah. it's it's. I think it for me, when I really got into this and read a lot about it, and I did a lot of research, and I followed people who were already doing stuff on the subject, and I wanted to know what the current thinking was. And, and when I did all that, I honestly believe that today I am so different to what I was like 15 years ago. Yeah, did I? Yeah. And, you know, there's so much that doesn't... Yes, if somebody says something to me that's quite offensive... There is an immediate emotional reaction. I feel it. It's it's absolutely normal. We're human. Yeah. But then I just have this switch. Like it just feels like a switch that goes. It says, actually, I don't agree with you, and I'm not going to get upset about it. It's not my thoughts. It's not my view of the world. It's not my view of myself. Mm. I'm not going to get upset about it. You mm. own it. I, I'm not going to own your thoughts. And it happens very quickly now. Yeah. And it's just like a breath of fresh air where you go. That's not affecting me anymore. I'm not 
thinking about it, worrying about it, repeating it to other people. And that's what we do. We perpetuate. You know, we talk about oh, what somebody said and did you mm. hear the other day such and such said this and, and it's gossip and it just, yeah, mm. it's very negative. And we all have the, the power to do it, but it's like anything. You, you're training yourself to think differently to mm. what you've done throughout your life. And it's very possible. You just have to want to do it. Well, I think you mentioned something earlier too that I'd love to draw attention to on that fact as well, where you talked about that it, it starts with just an awareness that says that the way that I'm feeling right now, well, this, this is how I would say it for myself anyway. I realize that the way that I'm feeling right now, I can say, well, they made me feel, they did this, they looked at me that way, I know what they're thinking. But realizing that it's my thinking about them, or even, you know, you, you, you indicated it there too, when I've given them the ability to, you know, through their attitudes, affect how I feel, I've just adopted their thinking. And that's, that's all it really is. And I can say, oh, well, actually, if it's just their thinking and my thinking, I can say, oh, well, it's just different thinking. That's all that is. I don't need that. And I'll let it go. Yep. Yep. It is. It's just about not owning other people's rubbish. Oh, I if love they, that. If they're going to to be nasty and, and say things that are hurtful, just don't own it. It's not yours. Mm. It's not yours to own. Mm. So drop it. That's, that's what I tell my audiences. It's not yours. Mm. Leave it alone because it's not your thinking. And we, it's, it's because the brain likes to find an easy route. It is the way that we're created looks for sort of easy options. And mm. one of the easy options is to blame other people. Sure. So we like to blame people for making us angry. Mm. I mean, most people would have heard in their lifetime somebody all said it themselves. You're making me really angry. Yeah. You're frustrating me. You're driving me nuts. You're annoying me. Yeah. And that's giving all that power to someone else saying, you're doing that to me. But actually, it's everything's internal. Wow. It's what you're thinking about. It's the meaning you're giving it. Everything is internal. So if you're thinking someone's making you angry, they're not making you anything. Unless they're sort of physically tying you down and making you do stuff, they're not making you think anything. I love how you're saying this. So well said. Um, (laughs) Okay, I'll I'll play devil's advocate then. Yeah. Because when I hear that, I'm trying to put myself back in the position where if someone had said to me, oh, no, you're doing this, um, you know, no, no, you don't know that person, though. Linda, you haven't met them. You don't know what that workmate's like, what my mother-in-law is like, what my, you know, husband or wife is like, what my children are like. You don't know. They're obviously making me feel this way. And no, Pro- yeah. Probably heard that before, have you? Oh, <laughs> I, I remember my mother used to say, you drive me up the wall, and I probably did. But you know, <laughs> if she was alive today, I'd say, Mom, it's an inside job, you know, get over it. <laughs> it's not quite that simple. Sure, sure. Uh, but yes, but that's also another defense mechanism. That's also giving away your power and saying, I don't have that control. You don't know that person. They mm. wind me up all the time. Mm. So it's still saying, I'm not responsible. It's still falling into that, I am not responsible. But every single day, you are totally responsible. Mm. And if you said those three words, I am responsible, every time you felt some reaction to someone and you said out loud or in your head, I am responsible, Mm. it changes the way that you respond to things. Mm. Because when you say, oh, you don't know my mother-in-law, you know, she's just, she attacks me all the time and she's just, she doesn't stop then you're giving the mother-in-law the power Mm. when you are responsible for Mm. every response that you have. It doesn't mean to say that you, 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 you know, get on your knees and go, okay, well, I'm never going to say a nasty word back or we are human, but it is still being able to be assertive and saying, I don't like what you say Mm. because it is is really offensive and I'd appreciate if you stopped. Yeah. But take out the anger, take out that, that reaction, that immediate reaction where you want to be hurtful back Mm. because you're totally in control. Mm. So it doesn't mean that people can be nasty and say things to you and not have any consequences. Absolutely not. Um, You know, number one motto should always be kind to other people. Right. But 
it, it is about don't get yourself so wound up about what other people say yeah. or do because you can't control it. But you can, in a very nice and assertive way, say, well, that wasn't particularly nice. Yeah. Um, it, it sounded quite hurtful. Can you explain why you said that? You know, challenge people, yeah. but in a very reasoned way. This is kind of spooky for me because I honestly, th these are thoughts that I've been, I've, I've had over the last few days and weeks that, that it's wonderful to hear a, another person articulating like that. Uh, because I was thinking about, you know, you mentioned that idea of giving power. And that's another thing. I've, I've literally had this conversation with friends where I said, I'm, I'm obsessed with power at the moment. Um, and not in a tyrannical sense, if you're listening, don't worry. But just this idea of, yeah, that power is a currency. It's a thing that we all have and we can give our power to other things. And if we're not aware of that, and I know I haven't been aware of that at different times, we do end up saying exactly what you mentioned. Oh, they, they are doing this and I can't, you know, I can't do anything about it. And the moment you realize, or at least I myself realize that actually I can give my power to something. And if I'm not getting a good deal out of it, I can take it back. Mm. Um, like I was thinking about it in terms of, say, politics, for example. I don't want to go to the Beehive. I don't want to have anything to do with any of that. So I give my voting power to somebody else. I say, okay, you can do this on my behalf. But the moment I don't think they're representing me well, I go, you know what? I'm taking my power back. I'm going to give it to somebody else. Mm -hmm. And that was quite a shift in yep. the way that I approached that. Yeah, I think power, it's, it's interesting because, and a lot of it depends on how you were brought up, the yeah. people that influenced your life. I mm. had a very dominant, very controlling father. Okay. And so I grew up in a very, I mean, he was a you know, loving father, provided for us, who never wanted for anything, but emotionally he wasn't able to show his emotion uh, he didn't feel that that was appropriate mm. uh, so when i was growing up i know that my father never hugged me right because i have no recollection <laughs> of ever having a hug with my father sure and he was very sort of i would say dictatorial like okay. whatever he said went uh if you even as an adult if you wanted to have a, a discussion about something or you had a different view on something his opinion was the only one worth hearing mm. and his opinion was right and so yep. I learned not to just, I just, just not say anything. Right, right. But in my head, everything that I was doing as a, as a, a teenager and then in my 20s, I kept saying to myself, what, what, would, what would my father think? Would he be proud of me? Mm. Because he had so much power. I was giving all mine away. Sure. And saying, okay, you know, would he be, so I was living his life to mm. try and make him happy. Yeah. And now, I mean, it's, a, it's sort of like a full circle. Yeah. But it's come from awareness yeah. of watching other people and actually giving yourself permission and time to reflect. And I think that's where, you know, I gave myself time to think about what I was viewing and in, in mm. relationships between other people. And one in particular, you know, I, I was in my early 20s in Australia staying with his family and their son, who was my age, um, there was something going on with the father and the son gave his mum a really big hug. Mm. Like it was just beautiful. It was a, a really loving, long, caring hug. Now, I'd never seen that. Wow. And I remember thinking, if I ever have children, especially boys, I want that. Mm. So how am I going to make that happen? Wow. And that's, we all have the opportunity to reflect and make changes in our life. We just have to give ourselves permission to think about it and say, mm -hmm. what would we want our lives to look like? It's, it's like one of the things I say to audiences is ask yourself, how do I feel today? Mm. And so they you know, think about that. And then I say, now I'm going to change one word. How shall I feel today? You have the power to choose so much we just give so much of it away and don't believe that we have well, that ability yeah let, let's let's dig down a little bit on that then that idea of, of us being able to choose how we feel what more could you say to that well we have so first of all we have to understand that we have an instant emotional reaction it's it's the the, the body's fight flight or freeze response mm. to other stimuli 
And we still have that. Mm. So when you're driving a car, you need that fight, flight or freeze response. Sure. You know, just to slam on the brakes or to swerve. You don't want to have a conversation with yourself about whether you should stop or not because mm. uh, that would be silly. <laughs> <laughs> right. So we, we still have that and we have that fight, flight or freeze response. And so that's going to happen very, very quickly. But we have total control over overriding it. Right. And, you know, people say, oh, because a lot of people talk about positive psychology and, oh, you know, you're just saying that people have to think positive and it's not always easy. No, it's it's not that. Mm. Uh, but it is actually reflecting on your thinking. Mm. Are you constantly thinking negatively? Mm. And one of the things that uh, I'd gone to a, a workshop, it was called Mind Power. And what this guy said is set your your phone to go off every half hour. And when it goes off, just ask yourself, what was I thinking? Wow. And boy, will you be surprised how many times it's a negative thought. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that. And you can change it. But, it, and, and you know, I say it's not. It's like Pantene, if you remember the ad, you know. <laughs> it doesn't happen overnight, but it will happen. Sure. If you're wanting to make change, you yeah. just have to be committed to actually being aware of what you're thinking, mm. aware of how negative it is, aware of your emotions and saying, well, is this serving me? Mm. And could I look at it a different way? It doesn't mean to say that I don't get upset about stuff. Mm. You know, I'm human. Mm. Um, I can get upset at all kinds of different things. But then I'm also reflecting going, okay, now do I need to have that last longer than it should? Yeah. Um, I don't want to hold grudges. Do I let it go? You know, we, we lose people. We grieve. That's totally normal. I'm not a robot. I'm not mm. even s sort of suggesting. Yeah. But it is about how much responsibility you're prepared to accept that you have mm. because that will change your life. And that is that is the power that, that, you know, that I was talking about as well, right? It's that ability to say, can I get the life that I want and the experience of life that yeah. I want? Yeah. Um, and another thought that I had then I'd love to run past you was because uh, I was thinking about how we end up in this place where we give our power away so much. And one thought that I had um, was that I think we, we learn very early on that if something is not our fault, then we can't be held responsible for it. And that in its own little way kind of feels good. You know, when you're when you're very young and I, well, if I can't do it and it's not my fault, people go, oh, oh, well, in that case hey, you know what, that's not on you, we'll, we'll let that one go. And so I know I learned in a lot of different ways early on. If I could say, oh, well, I, I don't know how to do that, I can't do it, whatever. There's a, I don't know, almost like a release, I guess, that you get of any kind of feeling of responsibility or something, which can feel kind of nice in the moment. Yeah. But what I realize is if I expand that out over my life, suddenly I've got no power over anything either. And that's the trade-off. I either take responsibility and there can be a little discomfort where I suddenly realize, oh gosh, that means I've chosen this. Oh, oh, yuck. Oh no, I don't want that. But then if I walk through it, I suddenly go, wait, that also means that I've got the power now to change my behavior, change my thinking, and I can make things better for myself. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I don't know the definitive answer for you know how we how we grow as a small human being mm. um i do know that at a very early age children learn consequences and depending right. on how you're teaching your child mm. they are either they're they're thinking okay well if i lie i won't get the consequences right. so i'm not taking responsibility sure because i'm avoiding the consequences because they're awful so so parents and a lot of it comes down to parents and comes down to early childhood teachers and i don't know that we're equipped to sometimes teach our children differently like mm. there's a there's a, a statistic that says um, children here on average 17 no's to one yes oh gosh okay um and you can but you can think about it you know busy household and sure and it's so easy to go no no don't do that no rather than teaching them how we want them to be mm. so we teach them how we don't want them to be and mm. you give your child a glass of milk what's the next thing you say don't spill it now they had no intention of spilling the milk Right. But that's we're teaching them how we want them to be by how we don't want them to be. Yeah. And it's very, very negative. And and I think there's a, a lot of psychology behind if if we could teach them 
that they can take responsibility and it's not always negative consequences, but they just learn from it. Yeah. Uh, but that, that puts a lot of responsibility on the parents. Yeah. I'd love to see a generation where parents have got it a little bit more. Like we took away, or we didn't take away, we said actually smacking children has been proven not to work. Okay. And it actually creates more problems with, with you know, children's development and things. There's a lot of studies done on it. But it was easy for parents to do that mm. and to test it. But we didn't say to parents, what can you do now? Mm. The same with teachers. Right, right. We took away, you know, I grew up in a time where boys got caned and girls got the strap and yeah. uh, <laughs> it was what it was, um, good or bad. Uh, so that when, when, it, when it was uh, made illegal, yeah. that teachers couldn't do that, what skills did they have? They didn't know how to then still get kids to behave, send them out of the class. That's not always possible. So sure. I don't know that we've got all the answers, but I think we're on the right track. Mm. And we just need to go back now to parenting and looking at sort of the new generation coming through, going, how could we do things a little bit differently and what would that create in well, our children? Let's look at that, that little glass of milk example then because we've used that as an example of how we shouldn't approach it yeah so what would be an example then of in that environment how what's what's a better way to well if you said you would take that over carefully and put it on the table right but if you say don't spill it it's like oh, oh, oh i'm going to spill it or don't run across the road they weren't thinking about running across the road but now they're they're focused on it like if i said to you don't think of an elephant yeah sure oh, too late like you know <laughs> yeah. um so we say don't, and then we're generating interest in kids doing that. And you wonder why they, if you say don't put your finger in the socket, one, why they're attracted to it, you know? <laughs> right, right. Uh, whereas explaining more, um, you know, just cover the sockets. You don't have to have mm. that don't do this. Mm. Um, find other ways where you can, can say to kids, well, if you hold my hand and walk, across, walk along the road nicely, mm. um, we'll get home really fast and perhaps you can have, you know, a glass of milo or mm. whatever yeah just just talking about positive outcomes yeah rather than don't well i mean it's an interesting observation that and i know in, in broader psychology this has been looked at that people have a, a bit of a negativity bias if they're not aware of it we we can tend towards the negative and you know you even mentioned as well the things yep. that we think about ourselves sometimes and um, for those of you who are listening who love the stats on this kind of thing, uh, there's studies by Daniel Kahneman that have looked into the fact that we're twice as motivated by losses than we are by gains. So this this whole idea, though, that I realize even for myself, you know, we can spend a lot of time, say, in my work doing, uh, say, training and recruitment, for example, the number of times I've had a conversation with someone where I've said, okay, so what are you looking for? What do you want in this new role? And the immediate response that I get is, well, I don't want this, and I don't want this, and I don't want this, and I don't want that. Yep. And so we learn how to articulate what we don't want, but we don't learn how to say, what, what do I want? And I remember even again for myself finding that really difficult when I started to go, oh gosh, what do I want? Uh, uh, I don't even know the words yep. for that. Yeah. And one of the statistics I read, um, and I can't quote the source because it's been in, in several different sources, but you know we have on average about 50,000 thoughts a day, mm. and it's considered that 80% of our thoughts are negative. Gosh, yeah. Yeah. So on any given day, you know, you're having hundred. Well, you could be having forty thousand negative thoughts, but you think about how many times you actually do think like that. I don't want to do this, and I don't. Oh, mm. it's raining outside. I don't want to go out in the car, and that's just our that's that's our internal chatter. Mm. And it's said that ninety eight percent or ninety five percent of the thoughts you have today, you'll have tomorrow. Really? Just yeah. It's we don't when when you think about how often if if you're talking about. 50,000 thoughts on a daily basis. Sure. It's about you'll be having the same thoughts in the morning or what's the time? I don't want to get up. Oh, right. You know, and, right. and you think about how many would be the same. Yeah. Uh, so what, what, is, what is our self-talk? What are we saying yeah. to ourselves on a, on a regular basis? Uh, and you can change it. You can flick the switch. Mm. It is going to just take more awareness and time to actually go, what am I thinking? Mm. I, I, ha I have a husband who is often very negative and he goes no i'm not and i go well that in itself <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. and you just have to you know if, give, give yourself the time to if you want to change yeah that's that's the essence yeah is if you want to be more positive 
and it does change your life in in many many ways yeah you just see the world um, through more positive eyes it doesn't mean to say i'm always an optimistic person but i'm fairly optimistic sure uh life's too short on this planet not to be i don't get it mm. i don't get why people will will focus on the negative because mm. life's too short change what you don't like or change the way you think yeah Ooh, that say simple. that again change what you don't like or change the way you think <laughs> I mean, you could run, you could run with that for your whole life, and you'd be right. I mean, that's... <laughs> well, that's it. Yeah, you know, they're the choices you've got. Yeah, yeah. Gosh, I, I remember for for myself the um, the phrase that was most impactful, similar to that, I suppose, was just that my again my experience of life is being created by my thinking. Yeah, and it's one of those things. If you're listening again, you might have heard me say this before, but it's something that I've found deeper and deeper depth to that I hear, I heard the first time I went going, oh yeah, okay, there's experience of my life shaped by my thinking. And, you know, just occasionally, like you mentioned, I'll be having a moment where I'm like, oh, this is frustrating me, I can't believe whatever. And then it'll just, suddenly that goes through my head again, is that your experience of life is created by your thinking. Like, yeah. oh gosh, what am I, what am I thinking right now? And it'll be, again, something negative, something potentially disempowering, whatever. And I can in that moment go, oh wait, I'm thinking this. I'm making this moment what it is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's taking responsibility back. It's taking ownership back. Yeah. You are in control of your life. Your life is controlled by what's in your head, mm. and you are the only one in there. Mm. <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> it's time to, to take responsibility. And, yeah. you know, just be human because we are going to to have all kinds of emotions anyway sure but don't dwell on on things you can't control negative thinking mm. um that's overpowering you you know that's when you you need to say okay enough's enough mm. i need to change this mm. but you have to want to so you know we're not talking about anybody with with a mental illness i'm leaving that right out uh we're talking about our day-to-day -day life yeah and, you know, how much do you want to actually live a really uh, happy life, enjoy it, have a, a positive outlook, create what it is you want in your life? Mm. Or do you want things done to you and you say, oh, you know, I'm a victim and, and I can't help it? Because, mm. you know, it's, it's time to, if you want to make a change, you're the one that has to do it. It has to come from the inside out. Um, yeah, it does. I, I remember again in, in my journey with this, um, you know, when you, when you first, well, when I first started learning about some of these principles and I think, oh, okay, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to tell them to other people. And when I tell them to other people, they'll go, oh, that's a good idea. And they'll adopt it themselves and they'll change their lives like that. Uh, you can imagine how well that worked. <laughs> um, and I just started to, you know, at one point I got frustrated because I didn't really understand the, the nature of what we're talking about now, that here was me coming to somebody from, again, the outside in going, hey, here's ideas, take them and your life will be better. And usually I've found people can agree on some level, like, oh, yeah, no, that's a good point. Yeah, yeah, okay. And they go, all right. And then, of course, you walk away, you come back later and, and nothing has changed. Mm. The difference being, even for myself, what I realized was I was trying to take responsibility for their decision to change their lives around. And I can't do that. No. But no. it took me a while to learn that. <laughs> I say to my audiences, I can't, because one of, one of the things that, that frustrates me is people go to training and people go to workshops and, sure. and they go to all these things and they hear all these wonderful things and they get inspired and they just then they just go back to their normal lives and life mm. happens. Mm. And so in my workshops, I say, you know, right now you're thinking, You've decided you're going to make a change. You've decided something's something's resonated with you and you want to make a difference. Mm. Nothing will happen unless you actually put something into action. Right. And the first first thing you need to do is write down an I will statement. Okay. And then hold yourself to account. Because I know that, you know, within two weeks of, of me delivering a training or a workshop, if they do nothing with it, 98% of it's gone. I think it's 98%. Sure. Yeah. Like... Don't be inspired by other people and do nothing. Mm. Because then we keep thinking, oh, no, it doesn't work for us. Well, mm. sorry, you're not taking what's being offered and you're talking about giving people the tools or the, yeah. you know, we can give people the tools. Yeah. 
they have to not just take them, they have to use them. Mm. They have to put them into action. They have to implement them. And that's where I think reflection comes in is, well, how, how do I want to change my life? Where do I, where do I want to see myself? Mm. What, what are things that I can work on now? Because you can't just flick a switch and go, okay, I'm a different person tomorrow. Right, right. But what do you want to work on? What area of your life, you know, is, is causing you a little bit more grief than, than other sure. areas? Yeah. Are you short-tempered? Maybe you need to work some strategies on that. Yeah. Uh, you know, look up some strategies. Just to start to say, I can make a positive difference yeah. in myself first, because that is going to positively influence everyone around me. Mm. Mm. You know? It's quite the journey. I, I, you know, trying to wind myself back in my mind when... You've, when I first learned about this this approach, and you when when on the one level I think yes I want to change my life around, and then going oh gosh but you know but then I I don't do anything with it. Um, what I what I found as well is that the moment you start to become aware of that, you you will also become aware that you've got other thinking that's attached to that as well. Now the great news for me and for anybody else listening too is that I realize that well that's still just other thinking it's not anything more substantial than that but you know for example if you want to do better in your career you might also decide okay i'm going to do better in my career you might discover you've got thinking that's oh well i don't deserve it yep or um i could never do that or something like that um have you heard of what do they call it imposter syndrome have you heard of that Oh, I've heard of it, but but it's just this basically this idea, and there's actually a, a few podcasts you can find where people have had discussions around it, where they just say, even though they've air quotes made it, they say, oh, but do you still feel like? They say, no, I don't, I don't really know if I should be here. I don't know if I deserve to be in this position, and and all this kind of stuff. It's just this idea that people can carry through. Um, I I just say that to say that when you start this journey, you'll start to become aware of other thinking that you have as well, and you be, you become aware that you think. That's the thing that blows my mind as yes, well, right? Yes, yes. Is is no, yeah, being aware that you think all the time and what are you thinking? Because do we really take the time to go, what was I thinking? Mm. And where was that leading me? And why was I thinking that? Mm. A lot of us don't take the time to analyze it. No. Um, and, and we realize, you know, we're, we're all different. We all have different thought patterns. We all think differently. I'm, I'm quite a creative person. I'm easily distracted. I know that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I see that as a positive. It can also be a negative, <laughs> but but it's a it's a, it's just who I am. Yeah. So when I'm when I'm doing work, when I'm doing things, you know, I am responsible. So if I don't get something done because I got distracted, yeah, it's still I am responsible. I can't blame anyone else for interrupting me. My day is totally yeah. my you know. <sighs> When, when when working with with um, audiences, you know the things around. You know they talk about time management, and they you don't manage time. Time happens. You actually it's accountability management. Ooh. That's a difference. Okay. Uh, so people that talk about time management, we've got to manage time. Uh, I don't know of anyone that can actually change time. <laughs> <laughs> we have to manage ourselves and and hold ourselves to account. Yeah. Uh, and you know people's people's blame interruptions for the fact they didn't get something done but we always have the opportunity to negotiate things mm. we always have the opportunity to uh if if you feel reluctant to say no to something it's not about saying no it's just about having a conversation about well yeah i can do that for you sure but i won't be able to do these things so which is more important yeah yeah that's all it is it was yeah. this big conversation about oh i find it really difficult to say no it's not about saying no it's about having a different conversation yeah Oh, and yeah. if I was to dig deeper on that as well, I would say that what I learned on that on that particular level of saying no is that it's not that you can't say no, it's that you've got thinking about saying no, thinking yeah. about yourself, that if I say no, what is that yes. person going to think about me? What am I going to think about myself? Yeah. And again, it's the thinking we don't realize we're having um, that, for example, I mean, you, you mentioned it in terms of your own up, upbringing as well, but uh, I mean, I can think of that for school and such for myself as well. You learn in that environment, that if you are compliant, things will go well for you. Yep. Yep. Uh, and so don't rock the boat. Don't be the naughty kid. Just be the one who says yes all the time or whatever it is. But then when you get outside of a school environment and you're in business and it is a, a competitive environment and competition's a good thing, we need it. Yes. It's another discussion entirely, but, you know. <laughs> 
and suddenly you go whether you know it or not you've got 15 years of schooling 20 years of schooling in your head that says just go along with it don't rock the boat be compliant yep that's why you can't say no Yep, and we don't we don't want to upset people. Mm. We don't want to intentionally upset people or offend people or let people down. Mm. And you know, I can I can even I can think that because I I I like to make sure everyone's happy and it's sure. just who I am. And 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 people will say, oh, sometimes you do too much. Well, let me be the choice of that. Right. Um, you know that. Right. But you know, sometimes we. Somebody will say, oh, can, can you meet me after, after 1 o'clock today? And you're thinking, oh, I've got to be, you know, South Auckland at 10. Can I do it? Oh, I probably can do it. I don't want to let them down. Sure. The question should be, what is it costing me to say yes or what is it costing me to say no? Ooh, I like that. And if it's costing me stress to say yes and I'm probably going to be late and I'm going to be in the traffic and I'm going to be thinking, oh, my gosh, I'm going to be late, mm. maybe just make another time. Yeah. If it's, you know, if it's costing you to say no because meeting with this person could create opportunities, yeah. then work that out. Yeah. But what is it costing me to mm. say yes or what is it costing me to say no? Rather than just saying yes because you want to please people. Yeah. And it's, it's you know, it's a fool's errand. <laughs> and I, <laughs> and I say this as being someone who is very guilty of this, you know. Um, well, guilty is probably the wrong word, but, you know, whatever, semantics. Um that trying to keep everyone happy all the time you know when we talked right at the very beginning about this idea of either looking at myself and how i interact with the world or looking at the world externally and trying to control that trying to keep everyone else happy especially when you realize that happiness is again an internally generated condition not only would it be exhausting just in terms of the numerical challenge of trying to keep everyone else happy but i also don't physically have the capability even if I wanted to, to make yep. another person happy, because that's up to them. Yep, yep. You've got to, you've got to be able to let go and yeah. say, I cannot make this person feel anything. Mm. I can try and influence. Mm. So with my with my kids, like I always want my kids to be happy. I want them to be happy in relationships. I want to be happy. I want them to be happy in their life. That's as a parent, that's all you want. You want your kids to be happy. Mm. But life's going to deal them some pretty awful blows from time to time and relationships are going to fail. And, you know, so I do spend quite a lot of my time just helping my kids reflect on their current situation mm. and maybe giving them the tools to look at things a little bit differently. Can we talk about it a little more deeply? Because I think that could be helpful for people. Listening. Obviously, sure. not going into too fine a detail or anything like that. But w what would a conversation like that sound like? Well, it would be, so, you know, if, if there's a, a relationship breakdown, it is looking at what, what does, you know, for example, what, what does my daughter want? Like, mm. does she want that relationship to work? Or what is it that she's, she's upset about or grieving about? And just, just really sort of breaking it down a little bit more about what is it that is really important to her in mm. that relationship or not? Rather than, because we get overwhelmed with a bigger picture of life has dealt us a really big blow and mm. everything seems terrible. Mm, right. But you break it down into, but what is it, exactly what is terrible? Right. How was the relationship going? Mm. Was this a, a one-off, you just really had a big argument and, and therefore you need to communicate a little bit better? Or are there bigger things at stake here that maybe you know, this isn't really working anyway. Mm. And give yourself time to reflect on that and, and move through it. And, and just trying to get people to look at the individual things that are happening in their life rather than all of it yeah. in one go. We tend to bundle chaos and catastrophe. Right, yeah. So it's just all happening to us at the moment <laughs> and everything's horrible. But yeah. is it really? Mm. You know, you have you you might have your health, you might have things that, that your 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 job that you're doing really well at. So mm. so acknowledge those. Uh, and then you find that whatever's happened in life isn't as, as bad or as, as terrible as it seems. Mm. 
and start looking at it sort of more constructively and just reflect on things. And, you know, I know relationships are a big thing when, when people are in their 20s and, and or career and what you want to do. I remember my daughter came to me and she said, Mum, you know, I want to do art after she, she was leaving school. Now, I wanted to do art when mm-hmm. I was a kid. Mm-hmm. And I went to my father and I said, Dad, I want to do art. And he says, well, don't be silly. You can't do that. <laughs> That's not going to bring you an income. So, you right, know, you've right. got to be a secretary or something. You know, yeah. It's a different generation. Sure. My daughter comes to me and says, I want to do art. I said, great. What sort of art do you want to do? Yeah. It wasn't even a hesitation. Sure. Um, so what sort of art do you want to do? Oh, but she was thinking maybe I'd be, oh, you know, what, where's art going to lead? Right. Who cares where it's going to lead? Yeah. How many people go to university and do a degree that doesn't actually <laughs> go anywhere? Like, who cares? Yeah, right. This is giving you tools for life and you're going to enjoy it. Go yeah. for it. Yeah. Uh, so breaking things down and, and I don't know, I spend a lot of time and it's something that I always did with my kids, just spend a lot of time talking through things and talking mm. through what they're feeling and why they're feeling certain things and maybe looking at things a little bit differently and mm. whether it's sort of mini psychology and that I that I do um, but I I just think it gives them tools to to mm. analyze things a little bit more rather than feel we're the victim and then everything's bad yeah and you know even when you said that I think regardless of whether or not we we know what we do well again semantics here so you know whether we we know what we're doing or not I think as parents and as friends and as whatever, we're, we're always trying to help other people with, you know, somebody comes to us and said, this is what's going on. Um, the reality is, I think we're, tr- we're, we're doing the best we can with the thinking we've got right now, regardless. We're already giving advice to people. We're mm. already asking for advice. Um, and really, when I hear you share stories like that, all I'm hearing is more that, well, if I'm going to give advice or if people are going to come to me for guidance on something why don't i find out a little bit more about actually you know how i can give the best kind of advice yes and i think i i try and avoid the word advice thank you yeah i was thinking this feels like the wrong word so thank you i i you know if people people come to you for advice absolutely yes they come to you for guidance absolutely yeah but it's not my job to, even with my kids, I'm not here to give them advice. I'm here to give them tools to reflect on their situation yeah. and make a decision. And when they've actually considered all these things, then the decision they're making is the right at the time. Yeah, cool. Like we, we might have an opportunity to reflect back and go, oh, it wasn't a great decision, but we learned from that. Yeah. But as long as you've got the information, so, you know, getting information to make a decision, to make a choice, to Mm. work out what to do, and that's the key is who are you going to Mm. for advice or assistance? Sure. Because sometimes when we're in a really horrible place in our life, we go to friends and family and say, what do you think I should do? Unless your friends and family have been through that or have got the skills to 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 look at it constructively mm. and objectively because they're going to tell you what they would do or or if they know completely what it is that you want and and this is you know what struck me when you were talking before as well is that and how powerful that question is because if i know what it is that i want mm. then the actions that i want will flow from that but if i don't know what i want or it's tied in something that's um you know external to me you know keeping other people happy or things like that i mean gosh that's chaos and and we fall into this whole confirmation bias thing as well right yeah if you know what you want and it's a little bit controversial then you're going to avoid the people that are going to say that's not a good idea sure and you're going to look for the people that are going to go go for it yeah and then you engage with those people and you're yep it's the right decision because we've selected the ones that are going to confirm what we've already pretty much decided. Yeah. So we have to be aware of that and mm. and be open to to different opinions. Um, you know, I try not to to give advice. I I give tools and strategies, but it's more about getting someone just to look at things from different perspectives and then just just go with it like you know do the best that you can we all make mistakes in life and i always mm. told my kids that no matter what mistakes you make 
just come to me and be honest mm. and together we will work through them mm. because we all make mistakes. Yeah. So never be afraid to tell me anything mm. because I'll be with you and I'm not going to judge you. We'll just work through them. And and sometimes, you know, there, there were times when I thought, well, maybe a bit too honest. <laughs> you can't you can't have one without the other. That's you, well, that's that's a good point though. Like what you mentioned just there, though. I mean, that is uh, when you make a choice like that. Yeah. That that's something that does come with it. Yep. Um, that it does mean you're going to have more, you know, honest conversations, and occasionally that's going to mean an uncomfortable one. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, but. I, I just believe that that was really important to help them through some some difficult times yeah. and, and and is is that we're not going to be making great decisions all the time mm. but don't beat yourself up about it one of my favorite examples of that actually given um, was to look at making decisions kind of like a, a stock trader um, bear with me on this one so <laughs> it's just that when we when we make very few decisions we invest a massive amount in it and it has to be right. You know, if you're only making one or two choices a day or something like that, then there's a, a huge amount lying on it. Um, but the example of, a, say, a stock trader, a bond trader, is that they're making hundreds, if not thousands of decisions every single day. And what they realize is that they're not going to get them all right, but all they need to do is get 51% right, and they're going to be ahead. Yeah. And so just learning that you can make a choice, it can be wrong, and you go, oh, okay, well, I'll just make another choice. Yeah, this one's yep. correct. And instead of putting a huge weight, because that's what I used to do, right? You'd, you'd have this one thing that you would agonize over for a long time. And in fact, recently I had a friend ask me about this because I'd made a decision about something and acted really quickly about it. And he said, oh gosh, usually people are like meandering about this stuff forever. And I was like, well, for me, it was like, well, I'm going to do it. And I might be wrong, but I'm just going to do it. And I'll learn from that. Mm -hmm. And realizing that that change in thinking for me made it way easier to act because it didn't have to be a perfect outcome. Yeah. But just doing something is better than doing nothing. And and we're I mean every single day we're we're choosing what we say and what we think and what mm. we do and what we believe. And when it comes to those really big choices in life, that's where um, just from from my experiences of going through, you know, hardship, adversity or things that, that are unexpected, I came out with what I considered or what I called my brave decision making process. Mm. So these are the things that I considered to make some really large decisions in my life. And one was, what were my beliefs about it? What was the self-belief about myself and about the situation? Like, what was my internal dialogue sure. telling me at the moment before I've actually gone and got any information? So mm. just being aware of that. Mm. Um, your rational thinking is based on going and getting the information. So as I said before, who are you going to? Friends or family, if they don't know anything about it? Mm. Or finding the people that can help you. Mm. Um, so, so understanding where you're going to get the information. Being authentic, which is having the courage to make a decision that's right for you, not a decision other people expect you to make. Yep. And the so that's the BRA. V was understanding what your highest values are. Mm. Because when when you're making big decisions, you're satisfying your highest values and letting some of the others go. Mm. And the E was understanding emotions, that no matter what decisions, there's going to be always some emotion that you're balancing. And you have to look at that. So the brave decision-making process and making a brave decision is considering all of that and then going, okay, I've got all this information. I understand this. Now I can live with the consequences, no matter what. Courage is making the hard decisions and living mm. with the consequences mm. because you're making the best decision at the time. Mm. You know, decisions that my parents made about their parenting, I don't hold any grudges. They made the best decisions they could at the time. Yeah. yeah. My daughter said to me, do you have any regrets? Well, why would I have regrets? Sure. That's beating myself up about something that I can't change now. Sure. But I made the best decision at the time. Mm. It mm. might not have been the right decision Yeah. in hindsight, mm. but why would I beat myself up now? Yeah. Like, that's, that's yeah. bizarre. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, it's been done. I can't change it. Yeah. Um, so I'm not going to have regrets going, oh, if only. Yeah. If only I'd done that, my life would have been better. Sure. Well, nothing you're going to do today is going to change what happened. Yeah. 
You know? Well, it's, it's like saying to yourself, well, if only I wasn't who I was. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I guess that would be true. If you weren't you, you know, it would have been different. But yep. yeah, I, I completely agree. I think that's, that's, and it's a much more powerful way to live. Again, mm. when, I, when I think about that, and the reason I come back to power is that when we are living with a sense of, of the ability to choose and control what we do, we naturally feel good. We naturally feel better. Going all the way back to what you mentioned at the very beginning, when you look at things like you know power and control in the workplace, you know why do we feel bad when we're pushed around? Well, because we feel like we have no power. Mm. And what makes us feel good? Well, when we feel like we have some autonomy, some ability to influence what's happening around us. And the moment that you know we take that off everything around us that we've given it to and say, actually, I've got the power to choose. Oh wow, uh, it feels good. It feels so much better. It does. It does. Uh, I I remember my kids um, not long after sort of leaving school, and they go from from school where you know we've often sort of it's it's changed a little bit. And and Simon Sinek, I don't know, mm-hmm. he's he's someone who's worth listening to when he talks about millennials and he talks about why is um, we've we've had. We've, we've created these these children where you know we said well no matter what you do you're you're you can be anything you can do anything you'll mm. you know if you just want to you can you can do it right um and then they go out in the big wide world and find they can't yeah and yeah. life isn't that fair and life sure. isn't that you know everyone gets a prize and and mm. it's not like that mm. and i remember one of my kids um was doing a, a part-time job and Somebody told him to wear this high-vis jacket in the, in the factory, and he didn't want to wear it. And the supervisor said, well, if you don't wear it, like, you're not working here anymore. Mm. And he came, my son came home and sort of said, you know, but how, what right has he got to tell me what to do? Like, well, okay. <laughs> right, right. Okay, but let's have a conversation yeah, about this. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I re- sorry, just to interject on myself too. I realize I, you laugh when you know you've learnt that lesson. Yes. And you kind of forget that, and you go, "Wait a minute!" There was a point where I didn't know that either. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Sorry, so what, what right have you got yeah. to to tell me what to do? Like, you know, I'm, I'm working here for you. Sure. I'm giving my time. Yes, you're paying me, but what right do you have to <laughs> right. tell me what to wear? Yeah. And and I think that that because we're when. You know, maybe we do need to, and this is a whole conversation itself, yeah. look at the education system. Look yeah. at how we're equipping um, people for for the big wide world that's not that friendly all the time and mm. not fair and, mm. you know, you don't get what you want and sometimes mm. it's going to take longer in life and you're not going to end up in the ideal job when you're 22 mm. and be happy ever after. Mm. Uh, you, you will be working at times in, in areas where you're not particularly happy but it's a means to an end mm. but you're you're in total control of how long that lasts for and what yeah. is the end you want yeah um but i i i think i've seen um especially in you know i've got three kids and three step kids is that life was particularly harsh and they weren't prepared for it right and so what does that mean we, we just need to look at, you know, mm. what are they learning about life when they go out? You know, they, they are working in jobs, McDonald's, yeah. um, you know, flipping burgers and, and things, to, and, and they're not enjoying it, and they're not mm. being treated particularly well often. Mm. Um, and how did we give them such a different view of what life would be like yeah. that they actually struggle mm. with those initial jobs and... and you know, that they don't understand that, that that's part of actually a means to an end. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, it's a that's a that's a big conversation, but Oh, but it, uh, yeah, I mean I, I totally agree. I mean this is um friends of mine who've also done speaking in, in schools and things like that as well. I've had this conversation. In fact my my sister in law is a um a teacher as well and other other friends and family members and saying, Yeah, well what are we doing when we talk about these kind of principles, I mean I I always find myself thinking, gosh, this is, this is just so useful for your whole of your life. Yes. Uh, and at the risk of taking an easy swing at something. But, you know, things like, you know, learning calculus. Um, I mean, if you want to learn calculus, more power to you. Uh, <laughs> but I just think these kind of things we're talking about, I don't care what career you do, where you end up in life, these are going to be useful things for you to know. Yep. And, and don't you think that 
if you wanted to learn calculus because you wanted to go down a certain path, sure. then learn calculus as you're starting to go down that path right. rather than learn calculus because it's one of the subjects. And, mm. you know, I did calculus and I did algebra and neither of those, <laughs> and they've gone in my brain. Like they yeah. have, that, that box is shut and locked. Yep. Uh, yep. Never to be opened again. Mm. Uh, so to me, they were wasted moments at yeah. school because I never used them. And, you know, we don't know when we're 14, 15, 16, 17 <laughs> what we're going to do in life. So let's Or even do... at 25 or 35. Like if you're still doing the same thing now, yep. you know, 10 years from where you are right now, you're actually in quite the minority. If, if you started in, in your 30s and said, I want to get into engineering or something, you know that you'd go back and do those subjects. Yeah. So why don't we just leave that as an option? Because I feel like it also gives a very negative uh, impression of learning, which I think is super tragic. Mm. Uh, I I had this conversation of um, about a year ago now with a group who uh, they were retail level employees and just one of those things where we'd gone through the material and we were just having a bit of a chat and I started talking to them about this thing where I you know finding the things that interest you and, and pursuing those things that fascinate you and it was remarkable talking to each one of them you know for example had they read any books since they'd left school and they all said no but you realise they were all forced to read certain stuff that they didn't like things that they weren't interested in things they didn't care about. And so the feeling that they got was, oh, well, learning sucks. Mm. This is this is horrible. But as I talked to every one of them, they all started to say, oh, actually, I'm, I'm really interested in this. I said, oh, are you? Okay, cool. Why don't you find out more about that? And I went, oh, yeah. And and to see that the energy naturally start to present. Yeah. The, the motivation. You know, people think motivation is complicated. It's not really. <laughs> it's it's like you take your child's school report yep. and they come home and they're in, in secondary school, early secondary school. They come home and they've got three A's, two B's and a D. What do you, what do you focus on as a parent? Mm, yeah. We're drawn to the D. Sure. Oh my gosh, there's a D. Like how do we, how do we raise that? Yeah. But the D could be that the child has no interest Yep. And and really lacks ability in that subject. Mm. Well, okay, where are the A's? Mm. These are the A's. Let's give more support to the A subjects. Sure. If they're showing a real interest and an ability in certain things and they love it, then if we focused on those to add and get the coaching and, you know, other people coming in if they wanted... But we focus on D's or F's and we get a, a, a tutor and we have after school studies to yeah. try and raise that. Yeah. Do that on the subjects that they're really good at. And what would they be capable of? Where could that go? Yeah. You and, know, and don't we bring that thinking through to adulthood as well, though? Like, we do. As he's saying that, I'm thinking, my gosh, like that's, you know, like, like you mentioned earlier on, life can be going so well in so many different areas. Um, I remember a thought that I had once that... Um, I remind myself of every now and then is that you only need one thing to be miserable. Mm. You know, you only need to be fixated on one bad thing. And, uh, you know, even on a day like today, we were looking at the view uh, out the window here. It's like, oh, but it's a rainy day. Well, yeah, I can look at it like that if I want. But there's so much more to that and our focus on these things that we don't like, yep. that we don't want, as opposed to, yeah, where are the A's in our life right now? Yeah. Absolutely. And you've got to break down your life because your life is not all the, the D's or the F's. It's just not. Yeah. Um, and but we that's that's what I was talking about before is we, we put it all in a bundle and you'll hear, hear people say my life sucks. Why? Oh, you know, I, I didn't get this done at work or um, there's changes going on at work. OK, mm. but your life mm. uh, is is a much bigger entity than what's going on at work. And there are several different ways that I get people to look at that. And one is, is look at, so where I'm sitting now, I can look out over the water, I can see Rangitoto, it's the most amazing vista. That's my life. Mm. And then if I look at a little diamond or something on one of my rings, that's my problem. Mm. Then look out the window and go, that's my life, and that's my problem, and get it into perspective. Because that's pretty much, it doesn't matter what you're going through, your life is the vista. And any issue you've got is, is minute. You just have to deal with that in the moment and keep looking at the vista. 
Linda, that is an amazing thought to end on. <laughs> just realized, it's like, an the, amazing an view. An hour has it is. Bad, <laughs> hey? um, and look, an hour has, has flown by. So I would love now anyone who wants to work with you, um, become involved in either have you come speak to them or any of the training you do. What is the best way for them to follow you, get in touch with you? Uh, you can find me on Facebook, Linda Guiry. So the surname is G-U-I-R-E-Y. Mm -hmm. uh, there's not very many. So in a Google search, <laughs> there I am. <laughs> um, and uh, my email is Linda, L-I-N-D-A, at lindaguiry.co.nz. Uh, I have a, face, uh, I have a, a website uh, or you can email me directly, find me on Facebook. Um, I, yeah, love to hear from people. Uh, love to, to speak wherever I can, whether it's a networking group, whether it's a small little group, whether it's a, a big corporate, doesn't matter. Mm. My message is the same. Mm. And that's why I do what I do. So it comes down to the why. So mm. if I can make a difference, hey, love to hear from you. Love it. Well, I'll put those links in the, um, uh, in the description for this episode as well. So people Thanks, can Andrew. find that. Linda Guari, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you, Andrew. I've really enjoyed it. 